Rony Zone Media and Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast proudly present Disney Once Again. Hello and welcome to Disney Once Again. In this podcast, we will revisit a Disney classic animated film. We're going to give our favorite things about it and any connections that we see to ABC TV's Once Upon a Time. Your hosts are Jeff Roney and Colleen Roney. And now on with the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Disney Once Again. Yes. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were going to continue with something else. No. Okay. No, I'm normally I look at you and... Oh, sorry. I my missed that cue. silent cue. <laughs> so this is episode number 236. You can get to the show notes, links, and pictures at onceuponatimepodcast.com slash 236. And we have watched Alice in Wonderland. Yes. The Disney animated classic feature. One of my favorite books in literature mm-hmm. ever. I will tell you, this is the strangest <laughs> animated cartoon, mm-hmm. probably next to heavy metal that I've ever seen. <laughs> Anyhow. Well, I will tell you that when it was released in 1951, it wasn't a huge box office success. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it just didn't have quite the same, you know, right. big punch that I think it probably should have being a Disney movie. But what I will say is that when they re-released it in theaters in the 60s and 70s again, and even in the 80s, it had a much bigger run of success because it fit in especially well with the 60s drug culture. I mean, I'm I'm just going to say that, but it's the truth. It's absolutely true. It became a cult classic because of the fact that it fits so nicely. And it didn't hurt that you had Jefferson Airplane at the time singing White Rabbit. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it definitely was ahead of its time. When it really would have made it an impact, but I think if they'd made it in the '60s, it would have been a whole different movie. So it was better that they made it, you know, ten years, ten plus years earlier, and then re-released it. We'll we'll touch on more, but yeah, you've got a hookah, you've got different oh, drinks that make you feel large, small, and some mushrooms. magic mushrooms. Yeah, hello. So a bunch <laughs> of different. I did want to start here, and then I will let you go. Okay, and please. We'll just roll on. Start here. Talk the, about what you want to talk about. The Animated feature started mm-hmm. with a book, but sort of. But it did not ha- start with the classic Once Upon a Time, that kind of a thing. Right, but it really wasn't a book, though. Well, it was a school book or it wasn't history even lessons or something. Really, what the the are you talking about the opening credits? No. Okay, well, 
Let's, yes. let's start there okay. and then we'll... Well, let's talk about the opening credits because yeah. the opening credits are interesting. Mm-hmm. And I didn't notice this as a child. And I've seen Alice in Wonderland a number of times. I, like I said, I love this movie. I have the soundtrack. I listen to it all the time. I love this movie. It's a fantastically odd, funny, quirky, weird movie. And again, I've read Alice in Wonderland, Lewis Carroll's book, a number of times. So the opening credits was an homage to the original illustrated book hmm. um, that out, that was written in the late, mid-1800s, 18, 1865, I believe, is when it was released, the book. The illustration that was used was very line and very, it was hand-drawn. It was very reminiscent of the artwork of the day. And so when Disney released Alice in Wonderland, the opening credits had a very similar feel to the artwork. It was the Disney version of the artwork, but if you look at the the actual illustration from the original book, the hmm. feel and the method and that are very similar. One little thing I wanted to throw in there is it used what I call crosshatch, using mm-hmm. lines yeah. for shading mm-hmm. instead of the actual shading because... Sure shading in artwork drove me insane <laughs> but using these lines and crossing them to get it darker and yeah, all that yeah. i love that kind of stuff and yeah. i haven't seen this film for a long time mm. and when i looked at that i went that's my favorite type of artwork so yeah. i did connect initially just briefly <laughs> in the opening <laughs> credits and then we went from there so. yeah but you're right this doesn't open with once upon a time like the typical fairy tale mm-hmm stories that we're used to with Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, and so forth. But you were saying the beginning of it starts with the history lesson. Yes. And you're right. It was Alice's sister who was reading her history lesson. And she was trying to read it to her, and she was trying to keep up with it, and it was just boring as all get out. Yes. And she did lay on a branch, mm-hmm. sort of like the Cheshire Cat mm-hmm. would. And we do see... The scene begin to build. We're in this park that has flowers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you can kind of tell when we see this as hints of what's to come. We don't know that at the no. beginning. But as you look back, you right. go, wait a minute. That's She was kind of building it. And when she said, in my world, right. we went, ah, this so it is. Imagination is going to play a part. Right. Well, and what's interesting is that actually going back to the opening credits, they were very similar to how um, we saw in, what was the Robin Hood? Uh, Robin Hood, yes. Where there were elements of Mm -hmm. coming scenes already there. So we kind of got an introduction to these characters before we even saw them. So... But you're right. There were little butterflies flying overhead. She mm-hmm. was laying in a, in a bed of daisies, a field of daisies, you know, and uh, talking about babbling brooks and yes. and things like that. And and so we see that she ends up in, interacting with those things on a different level. I don't like to talk beyond my notes, but I this just came to me, so well, I'll, we'll try and segue <laughs> it in is that I know that there is some story where the when you look into a pond, mm-hmm. it's like a mirror. Yeah. And things, you see certain things, whether it's, you know, some type of a prophetic thing or some type of a... Anyway, you see something magical when you look in the water. It's like a mirror. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the tricks that they pulled 
mm-hmm. that initially they were looking, it was themselves, and then the water moved around, and then you saw the white rabbit run right. by. And that's what was the, the change, the shift. Mm-hmm. And possibly that's when she fell asleep. Right. Possibly. Quite possibly. So, but anyway, I thought it was interesting that they used kind of an old water as a mirror and then we went into it. Well, and let's also bring this point out as well, is that not only is this book based on Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, mm-hmm. because that is the actual title, or The Adventures of Alice in Wonderland, it is also through The Looking Glass, which is another, it was like a segue subsequent novel it was there were separate stories and walt pulled elements from both the majority of it follows alice in wonderland but he's pulled in some elements of through the looking glass into it as well yeah it's a very fantastically told story i think and like i said i really do love alice in wonderland the original book there are things in the in the original book that they don't put into this movie at all Mm. which is really unfortunate because there's re- some really funny and unusual, very bizarre, you know, things. You know, there's uh, there's a whole scene with the nanny and this pig, and it's a baby, and it turns into a pig. It's just, it's a mm. crazy scene. And they talk about, do you feed your baby pepper because it makes him sneeze? It, it's crazy. Well, they're crazy stuff that they left in. They did, absolutely. So- and by the way, yeah. this is a very close adaptation of the actual book. So if you're thinking Walt was smoking something when they did this, or that the writers were smoking something when they d- wrote this, no. They're following the book pretty closely. There are elements, like I said, that are not uh, in the correct order, but they right. do have, they are pulling a lot of the actual elements from the book. So, like I said, fantastic piece of literature. I'm going to mention this podcast here and there because I. I enjoy it a lot, and I don't believe, just, Paul, don't get mad if, I, if I'm mistaken here, but I don't believe that the Disney story origins have done something about Alice in Wonderland yet, as hmm. far as a podcast episode. But that's a great podcast to find out the story elements that maybe it, or, were definitely in the original story, but not carried forward mm-hmm, into mm-hmm. the Disney animated feature. But, like you were just saying... This is pretty close. Yeah. So we're actually looking somewhat directly into the written story mm-hmm. for the most part right. that they brought in. So all those folks that say, well, did they Disneyized it. They didn't Disneyize this, it sounds like, very much at all. They did I mean, to a certain degree yeah. because if you think about it, I mean, some of these stories, not all, but some of these stories are so old that they hadn't nobody really realized them mm-hmm. and nobody visualized them you had your own imagination that you could use and you had the you know author's illustrations if you were fortunate enough and and like i said alice in wonderland did have illustrations but um the majority of these stories were things that walt had to visualize and unfortunately because of some of the really graphic or violent or inappropriate for children kind of content of the original stories. That's why they were Disneyized to, to kind of soften right. that up. But in this case or in general, you know, in, in general, this one is not as much. I mean, he does That's, give it a, yeah. a, you know, whimsical sense mm-hmm. um, that you don't have in the book, but there is, it's still very, very similar. I mean, there are lines verbatim mm-hmm. that she says, 
in the movie right. that you can actually go and find those exact same words in the book. And that's what I was getting at is for those who think that every Disney film is Disney eyes like Pinocchio, for example, that's very Disney oh, eyes very much so. from the original mm-hmm. story, mm-hmm. but this is pretty close. So yeah. anyhow, if, if, if folks wanted to do that, the other thing I wanted to mention is that, there's a lot of talk in general about girl power mm-hmm. in Disney and Disney movies and in movies in general. Mm-hmm. And we had really a lot of girl power in this one in that Alice took charge and there was no worry. There was no con- She followed the rabbit in the tree and went down the hole. There was no, I need somebody to save me. It's like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to drink this. I'm going to eat this. I'm going to whatever. And it was like, okay, pretty modern woman. Very much so. And that's that's what I think sets us apart. Alice is not a princess. No. That's why she is not one of the Disney princesses and never will be because she was not a princess. Right. She didn't become a princess. She didn't end up. She was a little girl. Mm -hmm. So it's very different than your typical Disney princess, which... Um, it's still an interesting story and I don't, it doesn't, it, it kind of has some elements of fairy tale to it. Not really though. It's just a fantastic well, it's the, yeah, it's not the classic, of, uh, yeah, it's I, not I classic fairy tale. Right. There are elements of supernatural quote unquote, but not really because there it's, it's all imagination. So it's not real, so to speak. If that makes any sense. The other thing about this movie, and the book to a certain degree, but this movie specifically, is that um, very much like in The Wizard of Oz, Dorothy incorporated people she knew, people and elements and things Mm -hmm. that she knew, like you said before, into her wonderland. So she just, it was kind of like she saw it from a different perspective. She put on a different pair of glasses and saw a different world through those glasses. And that's, that's really kind of um, what I really love about it. I think it's really cool that she was able to, you know, incorporate everyday things. And, and it, it was a really good imagination. When she fell down the rabbit hole, Mm -hmm. it was Really a lot of fun. We saw the magical skirt umbrella kind of thing. <laughs> well, very cartoon-like. And, sure. You know. And the the down is up. She's falling down. Yeah. In the mirror, she's going up. And uh-huh. so we see that it's this flip-flop. A mirror image of what's going on. Right. And again, that is pulling into through the looking glass, mm-hmm. which where she went inside the mirror, then everything was backwards from what she knew. And so that's where you, you know... Got some of that. And interestingly enough, Walt did do a cartoon, Mickey Through the Looking Glass. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, I don't know if that, that might be the name. I don't know. But point is, is that show, some people have probably seen that one. And it's very fun because he goes in there and it's very similar to how Alice Through the Looking Glass. So, so a quick once upon a time connection, obviously mirrors oh, absolutely. portals going to other lands or to the realms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, I mean, and we're going to see some of the characters coming through mm-hmm. this, this particular movie has more connection, obviously with once upon a time in Wonderland than right. it does with once upon a time, but there are still, There's a few, though. There, yeah, yeah. there are a number of connections yeah. and we'll, we'll definitely talk through those as we go. So go ahead. You were saying, yeah, the two things I wanted to bring out 
if I mention the word or the name Escher, do you know I what do. that is? <clears throat> Uh, M. E. Escher or something like that. E. M. Um, somebody Escher. Very stylized artist Very. that made something that was going down like a staircase go make it look like it was going up. Right. And you were confused the way it was drawn. And yeah. that's one of the feelings I got when she was falling down. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it was, it was very confusing. And they used that in the Magic Kingdom in Florida. Mm-hmm. There's an Escher little scene now that they've included well and by the way <clears throat> the movie the movie wow the movie labyrinth yeah used right yep. very mm-hmm. escher like qualities to the Go- goblin king's castle so yes. that's another if you haven't seen labyrinth seriously do yourself a favor and go get it go rent it find it do whatever it's a fantastic movie the, the other huge influence i saw in a lot of the the scenes and the falling down but in other parts of the mm-hmm. animated feature was salvador dolly mm-hmm. very expressionistic and mm-hmm. it really it was very 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 cool i i like art but, well so. and you can very much see mary blair's hand in mm-hmm. this because yeah. mary blair was one of the um she was art director and it yeah you can definitely see her hand in this if you know mary blair's art she's fantastic and uh, very, very stylized, like you said. I love the Get Smart Doors. <laughs> when she was trying to get out, there was these 15 <laughs> doors. She kept opening and opening and yeah. opening and opening. Yeah. It reminded me of Get Smart. So. Yeah. Well, and yeah. when you think about it, actually, it's not quite the same as uh, Jefferson's hat right. in Once Upon a Time, where mm-hmm. there's multiple doors that you can you can take a spin around the room and see. They were kind of stacked behind each other, and they didn't yes. lead to multiple lands. They led right. to just one. Mm-hmm. So, All right. And now we get to the... And, it was like a video game to me. We saw Drink Me, which made you smaller. Mm-hmm. Then there was the Eat Me little cookie. biscuit, cookie, whatever, mm-hmm. that made you larger. Right. And then we learned there's other things in the mm-hmm. land that make you bigger or smaller. And then I thought it was interesting. I'm jumping ahead a bit, but yeah. I just want to... The inventiveness of Alice, she realized that biting would really make you really large or really small, but licking the mushroom yeah. would just a little bit. Yeah. I thought that was so incredible yeah. that that she was using her creativity with sure. these rules and these things that she was moving in mm-hmm. that I was just, I, I, I thought that that was really... Very smart little girl. Really, really smart. And mm-hmm. they... I, I don't know if that was in the book, but I thought that was really incredible was. that she... Actually, I believe in the book. Oh, gosh, it's been a long time since I've read it. I want to say it was just she took bigger bites or smaller yeah, bites, okay. little tiny All crumbs right. or what have you. Now, she might have licked, but I can't recall. So if anybody is familiar with the book and can verify that, that would be awesome. But Another, yes, please do. Another little variation, we're talking about the mirror and the looking glass mm-hmm. and the differences and everything. I noticed her name was different in Wonderland. It was Alice, but in Wonderland, the rabbit was calling her Anne-Marie. No, Marianne. Marianne, sorry. He wasn't calling, he didn't change her name. He was confused. Okay. The white rabbit assumed and didn't really pay attention to who she was, and he called her Marianne because Marianne was his secretary. So he called her Marianne. Okay. 
that's that was the whole thing. And okay. she's like, but I'm not Marianne. Who's Marianne? And he's like, Marianne, go get my gloves. So, yeah, totally. It okay. wasn't that right. her name changed. It was that the white rabbit was in such a hurry. He was in such a tizzy that he confused her with another person. Now, I don't want to go too fast because I didn't take notes on all the sections. But okay. if there's something that you wanted to talk about, because you, you like to go chronolo- chronologically. I try to like so. go, go chronologically. But, gosh, with this with this. You know, book. I mean, this movie, especially, it's just so wacky, weird, and wonderful that it's mm-hmm. you know you kind of go jump around. The caucus race, hilarious. Okay, the dodo is a funny character. He's a he's a goofball. He blows his nose a lot. He smokes right. cigars. It's just a very funny character. Let me kind of step out of this a little bit. When I read this book the first time, I was like, wow, this is kind of weird. And then I read some sort of you know synopsis of it, and then I was told that it was a satire on the British aristocracy and stuff. So I don't know how much of that is true because, again, if you really read through it, based on what you read, it was, no, it was just a fantastical story that, you know, um, Lewis Carroll told his neighbors, his friend's daughter, um, and he incorporated them into the, into the, the book. And it was just a fantastical story to kind of, you know, pass the time, but... Um, I, I do see the satire in it. Mm. So the dodo could have been any number of people. I mean, and again, when you think about when this was written, then that makes, you know, a little bit you know more sense if you know your history around that time. So 1865, the Civil War would have just ended mm-hmm. here in America. So in England, though, I'm not, I'm not as familiar with British history, um, so I can't tell you what was going on in England in 1865. But um, that's... That's just my take. But the Dodo. Dodo's mm-hmm. a funny little character. And there's always these funny little characters. And I thought it was, you know, hilarious. And it, it is one of those things where you're in a dream and the most bizarre things happen. Right. And they seem perfectly natural mm-hmm. to you. But then they also seem a little odd. But you kind of go, well, nah, that's how things are around here. And so I thought it was funny that, you know, she, in the bottle, washed her, her tears created that right. ocean. Mm-hmm. That everybody was kind of basically stuck on. But then she ended up on the shore, and there's the dodo standing on a huge rock with a fire that he could pick up to make sure it didn't get washed mm-hmm. away by the, the sea. And then uh, then everybody else is running around in circles, the caucus race, where it's really hilarious because it's just running around in circles and never going anywhere. And nobody ever wins. Right. And it's just it was a very funny little song. Oh, speaking of songs... I know I'm rambling and totally off in different directions, but hey, it fits with the theme of the the movie, right? Mm -hmm. This is the Disney movie that has the most songs in it. Okay. No other Disney movie has this many songs in it. And it has a number of songs in here that may only be in there for a few seconds or for a couple minutes, but Mm -hmm. it has the largest um, number of actual songs that were written. And a lot of it was written off of the Lewis Carroll poems and things like that. Um, Jabberwocky and mm. uh, Walrus and the Carpenter, that kind of stuff. Caucus Race, even. Right. So they made songs about everything, which was um, very interesting. And this was not Richard and Robert Sherman. This is not their, they didn't mm. write this. This is a team of other writers. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, back to the caucus race. I mean, it was just kind of funny. And she finally like stumbled out of the whole thing because she saw the white rabbit and she kept chasing him. That was, there were a lot of really strange scenes. 
the the scenes with the dodo and mm-hmm. it was just the the house when she grew big and I well, actually, really I want to go back to the Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Okay. Because they were first. I mean, we we, were, right. we bumped into them first. Mm-hmm. And Tweedledee and Tweedledum, hilarious characters. I absolutely just love one of my favorite scenes. Uh, the whole movie is just so funny. But one of the things that cracks me up the most is when they're doing that. Um, they're singing their how-do-you-do and shake hands. And, I mean, it's just very logical and very, you know, matter-of-fact. But they're very much about stories, the uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. So they, you know, sing How Do You Do and Shake Hands. Um, state your name in business. That's mm-hmm. manners. I think that's hilarious. That just, I don't know, that just makes me laugh every time. But anyway, um, Tweedledee and Tweedledum are the ones who tell her the story of the walrus and the carpenter. And I remember right. as a kid thinking, oh, my gosh, that is incredibly violent. Mm-hmm. This, I mean, that's... yeah scary is what Uh, that is the walrus and the carpenter lure the oysters out of their comfy little bed where their mother says no 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 don't go and they're like we don't care we're gonna go and they end up going to the carpenter's really rapidly built right he threw (laughs) that thing up he was an amazing Mm -hmm. carpenter and not only did he throw that up he actually had time to bake bread he had Mm -hmm. time to create sauces he had time to stoke a fire i mean he was amazing super carpenter dude and um the walrus being the big jerky walrus that he is he basically convinced the carpenter to to kind of go on again on this plan and then what did he do he wooed the little i mean he was like flirting with them Mm mm-hmm the little oysters and pinching their cheeks and telling them how rosy and adorable they were. And then he like full on ate them. And I remember as a kid, when I saw that being kind of horrified at seeing the empty, empty oyster shells. Let's, let's play a bit of it. Oh, please do. The walrus and the carpenter were walking close at hand. The beach was wide from side to side, but much too full of sand. Mr. Walrus, said the carpenter, my brain begins to perk. We'll sweep this clear in half a year, if you don't mind the work. Work? <laughs> the time has come, the walrus said, to talk of other things, of shoes and ships and sealing wax and cabbages and kings, and why the sea is boiling hot and whether pigs have wings. Kaloo, Kalei, no work today. We're cabbages and kings. Now, I didn't understand a bit of that. I didn't know why really? that was there. I Now, the Boiling Sea, isn't that... That was part of Alice in Wonderland, or right. Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. They, pro- they brought that in. Right. So, again, probably a metaphor of something. Okay. I really can't explain that to you. I'm afraid I'm not a scholar on this. I really wish there was an actual class on this that would I'm teach a- you these things. <laughs> but... I'm like Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't get the <laughs> metaphor. So I, I can't tell you what the what the metaphor is it's other okay. than, you know, why the sea was boiling hot and whether pigs have wings. I mean it's just nonsense is what it is. Because the sea is not boiling. There's no right. such thing as a boiling sea. I know. Unless you're talking about a pot. A kettle. Right. Yeah. Right? Which he's not. But you understand the whole point. The car- yeah. walrus and the carpenter are like, hey, we're going to go along. We're going to do whatever. And then he's like, you know, we can get things done if you don't mind the work. And he's like, work? No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. We're not going to work. We're going to talk of shoes and ships and sealing wax and cabbages and kings, which are totally non-related 
nonsensical topics. Right. It's fluff. He's like, yeah. we're not going to work. I know. We're going to, it's all about the whole point of this poem is how to get away with something without doing any work. Yeah. The, we watched a bit of the making of Alice in Wonderland. And one of the things is the walrus mm-hmm. was like a Pied Piper for these mm-hmm. clams. Oysters. Oyster, sorry. <laughs> and they, they, they drew the oysters out of their their comfortable sure. sea bed there and then put them around this table and then ate them. Well, he ate them. The walrus did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The carpenter the didn't get carpenter, any. You know. Well, because he was going to put them in an oyster stew, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then the walrus was going... I got, I got this walrus. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat them on the half shell, raw. Yeah, I, you, you are based, You are really bringing out a lot of the cool nuggets that I just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where we were. I don't know what we're talking about. I just, when I was watching this, I was like, really? I don't know. So, if you think about it, and this is kind of where you know, as we keep going through this. Alice was very confused by a lot of things. Yeah. She knew certain things, but she couldn't quite <clears throat> say them properly. Well, like when she met the caterpillar and he wanted her to recite how, you know, she, do her recitation. She started to do how doth the little busy bee. He goes, no, 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 that's mm-hmm. not right. How doth the little crocodile, you know. And so he changed it and improved it and made it different. So what it was is it was kind of a throwback to the fact that she was sitting there listening to her sister drone on and on and on about the Duke of Umbria and blah, 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 blah. Right. And she didn't know, she didn't care about the history. That was totally unimportant to her. And it didn't make any sense to her. And it was just a bunch of words. I think that's where she, in her dream state, was confusing everything. She had all kinds of crazy little things in her head. And again, let's face facts. Dreams are uh, very much a an incorporation of reality into total twisted fantasy, weird, crazy stuff. Yes. So, so Walrus and the Carpenter was a ploy for the tweedle, the Tweedles to yeah. get her to stay there and okay. not go any further. I would love to leave the walrus and carpenter there and move up to the uh, tell it to the tulips because <laughs> that's where I really checked back in. Okay. I was like, okay. I love the flowers that they represented who they were, the tiger lilies oh, and yeah. the different, the rocking horse thing. Rocking and horse fly. It was. Red and butterflies. So neat. Oh, it was very... That is another one of my favorite mm-hmm. points of the whole movie because the flowers are absolutely gorgeous. And the fact that they, you know, they have personalities. So you had the, dil- the dilly daffodils and you had the lazy daisies. Yep. You know, living a very peaceful life, swinging on a web, cobweb, you know, hammock, cobweb hammock. You have the beautiful rose, dew-kissed rose she had on what looked like diamonds. They were, you know, dew drops, but they were diamonds around her neck, what would have been her neck, and she was draped in, you know, cobweb, you know, curtains. Yes. She was she was the star of the show because she had the be- most beautiful voice. And then you had, you know, the violets, the shrinking violets, and you had the, you know, dandelions and the tiger lilies. Right. And you had just really cool. The thistles were playing the percussion, and so were the um, mar- not marigolds. Um, I can't think of what they were, but they were. Bottom line is the flowers all had a job and personalities, and it is kind of interesting when you think about it. Because she even said in her song at the very beginning, "In a world of my own," she would 
sit and talk. The, the flowers would have mm. very extra special powers. They would yep. sit and talk to me for hours, which didn't actually happen. So how she imagined it was not how it ended up. She, the world she created in her head, she pulled some of those elements into it when she actually went into the dream. But the dream took over. Because remember in her thing, they'd sit and talk. They pushed her out of the garden. They thought she was a weed. Right. They treated her like she was an outcast. Interesting word that was used. Yeah. Weed. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I, I, here's the difference with me, mm-hmm. just really fast, is when things don't make sense, like sealing wax, and, all, and, and I understand there mm-hmm. was a point to it. I, I don't get it. But you draw a tiger lily that looks like a tiger mm-hmm. and all these things, and I go, now that's inventive. That's yeah. really kind of neat. Yeah. And even though, even we'll talk about the birds and things with the hammerhead and all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was that was really cool for me. I was like, that's really inventive and neat, you know. But uh, I, I really, this song is a little too operatic for me. But oh, I, I did enjoy. I, I, I enjoyed it. It kind of reminds me of the little uh, raindrop song. Yeah, April showers. Yeah, a little Bambi. bit like mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah. But I, I did. Th- th- We've talked a lot about creativeness with the animals and plants and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I think this was where I really got into it. I was like, oh, man, that is really incredible. Yeah. So, oh, it's such a great scene. Such a great scene. Who was the leader of the the band? The, it the, was the Red Rose. Red Rose. Right. Which we will see something red, right. a number of red things going yeah. forward. Yeah. So red plays a very important part in mm-hmm. this uh, story, doesn't it? Yep. I really also enjoyed. There's little dewdrops mm-hmm. on some of the flowers that yeah. look like diamonds and yeah. all that. Again, They're it was dressed in their finery. Yes, mm-hmm. and I just I really enjoyed using nature to reflect our world, mm-hmm. the human world, mm-hmm. and and I just thought it was really. It's so good, and and you know we had the classic animators involved, and mm-hmm. it was just so. Anyway, it was really really great. Yeah. But then we see. Speaking of weed, mm-hmm. we saw <laughs> the caterpillar, and we mentioned him yeah. before smoking a hookah. Yes. Uh, talking to Alice, I loved the smoke. The what they were oh, doing with the yeah. smoke, and not just the letters, but the crocodile and oh, all yeah. kind of. That was really inventive. Yeah. And I was really impressed. You yes. Know, so. I love, the, I love the caterpillar. And here's a little fun fact about the caterpillar, which another favorite of mine. The gentleman who voiced the caterpillar, Richard Hayden, was in Sound of Music. And ironically, he was the manager of the Von Trapp family singers mm. at the end. He was uh, Captain Von Trapp's best friend. And so, uh, yeah, he was all in about all about the money, and in here he's singing and he's you know being philosophical and stuff. It was really fun. I like that character. I my fi- okay. Let's talk just briefly. I don't want to go too much, but we did ride the Alice in Wonderland ride at Disneyland, mm-hmm. which has just mm-hmm. been refurb refurbed. And such great new effects. Oh, yeah. Great video effects uh-huh. are put in there. Yeah. And it was very... One of the things I remember is the beginning of the unbirthday song. Yeah. With the little teacups and yeah. little whistles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. 
I love that song. Yeah. It's really, it's really neat and fun oh, yeah. and all that. I love how, and we've talked about this, we talked about this with Wishes mm-hmm. for Pinocchio, mm-hmm. where anyone can be special. And I love that about this song. Yeah. Is usually we wait for our birthday, whatever day that is, and we say, today is my birthday. We're going to have a good time, and whether it's a birthday month or day, it's my day. Mm-hmm. But they were saying, no, it's your own birthday. Yeah. So it's any day but your birthday. So basically, you're special all the time. So let's have a party. Let's have an unbirthday party mm-hmm. for all of us. Is it your birthday? No. Is it your birthday? No. Then it's all of our unbirthdays. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Let's have... You know, magical teapots and, and all that, <laughs> switching seats and all this kind of... It was a just a fun scene. Yeah, it really was. Uh, the, the Definitely the Mad Hatter and the March Hare and the Dormouse are crazy, crazy characters. Mm-hmm. They're very crazy. And they had the most magical, like you said, teapots and things. Because you can, you know, slice a cup in half. I'll have half, half a cup. And it would only pour in half a cup and didn't, like... Spill out everywhere. It was just, it was completely crazy how they, you know, whatever they said, whatever they did, it happened. It wasn't like, they they defied all logic is what they did. And it had one of my favorite Disney character actors, Ed Wynn. Oh, yeah. He's so good. So classic. So let's hear a bit of the unbirthday song. From the ride, I also remember that from the fireworks show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. really, yeah. really neat. It is the it is what they play at without the vocals, obviously, but it is what they play um, at the spinning teacups at Disneyland. Yes, yeah. mad mad tea party uh, spinning teacups. So it's it's really neat that even as a kid, you're just mm-hmm. walking by. You don't even have to yeah. ride the ride, yep. and you hear that song, mm-hmm. and it's just. It, it permeates you. You, it does. you you remember that, and mm-hmm. it's it's one of those really neat things, you know. Disney and music, you know, apart from his great animation and storytelling, he understood music, but um, very much so. Now I'm I'm going beyond my notes. I didn't research this, so this is always okay. a dangerous thing. Ed Wynn, mm-hmm. there was a scene where he was laughing. Now was that Mary Poppins or it was, was that indeed. okay he when was he was Uncle floating up? Albert, right. And he loved to laugh. Mm-hmm. That's and right. And so when he laughed, and when he got the kids to laugh, and Bert, they all floated up into the air. Yeah. And they couldn't get themselves down. And they were laughing and telling the most outrageously corny jokes, mm-hmm. but they were laughing, and that's what kept them up in the air. And the unfortunate reality is that when you don't, the only way to get down is you have to think of something very sad. Yep. And that's never fun. Right. Because he wants to think of sad things. True. And that's not Alice in Wonderland, but that's no, one of the scenes I remember that scenes. he and played it, it, so. But Edwin is a very, very fun character actor. And yeah. he was, uh, he's got such a distinct voice. Mm-hmm. That, Walt was very good about getting the right cast for this. 
getting these actors and uh, understanding what would be funny or you know regal or whatever and he got the he got these and he used a lot of the same actors for most of his his um, movies his animated movies the queen of hearts was voiced by verna felton who was also the voice of the godmother in cinderella and the voice of alice was, was also Catherine beaumont who was also the voice of wendy in peter mm-hmm. pan yep so yeah i mean he uh he used jerry colonna for something i can't remember what um and sterling holloway I mean, mm-hmm. the, the yeah. Cheshire Cat, if you listen to the Cheshire Cat, if you are not aware of this, but Sterling Holloway, who voiced Cheshire Cat, was the voice of Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. The original voice of Winnie the Pooh. Yep. And he's fantastic. He was in um, the Aristocats as well. He did a mm-hmm. uh, voice in the Aristocats. I want to say Roquefort, the, uh, the mouse, but I haven't seen that movie in forever either, and I need to watch that one. But anyway, so, talented, talented actor. Absolutely. Going back to the tea party in the Alice in Wonderland film is I loved how when they're pouring the tea, Mm -hmm. it was the tea, the cup, the sugar cubes, everything. It was all you needed coming out of there, and it just (laughs) appeared on the table. Magical tea party. It was just so, so cool. Yeah. It was just... and, And how when I think it was the... It, it wasn't the Mad Hatter. It was the March Hare, I think, mm-hmm. cut the uh, the little cup in half. Mm-hmm. He says, I only want a half a cup. Yeah. And he poured it in, and it was just half. And right. so you could see. I was just so That's what so I said inventive. a few minutes ago. That's huh? what I was referring to a few minutes ago. Okay. Well, it's, it's, still, <laughs> it's still that good. So, But also, I love that there was a little bit of really creative... We'll get to more creative stuff when we get toward the end, but it's just they had these shock zooms. You know what I'm talking about? Shock zooms. Mm. They used them a lot in kung fu movies where you'd zoom in really fast. Okay. And so they're and then they zoom in and the guys, you know, yeah, ready. Okay. And so you have these shock zooms in this party. They sh- they zoomed into the Mad Hatter. Yeah. March Hare, Alice. And I was just like, man, really creative use of the camera. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about the, you know, when the camera flies in and it goes past trees or tops of buildings. I mean, sure. that's incredible. The multiplane yeah. camera. Yeah. But then a shock zoom. And I was just like, this is really creative. Yeah. It's, it's, this movie's out there, but there's a lot of really. And when they were going to stop the mad watch. Yeah. They hit the watch. It went from color to black and white. Hmm. Man, a lot of chances in it. I mean, this is... Yeah. Can you imagine? Okay, Walt, I have this idea. When we hit the mad it watch... It may be Walt's idea. You never know. Yeah, I mean, these guys, just, you got to yeah. remember, Walt had a hand in a lot of this. I mean, he left a lot of it up to his, his mm-hmm. animators because he knew what talent they had. But I'm pretty sure he was pretty involved with it as well. And I know he saw things and he may have had input. We don't know for sure. But... Yeah, I mean, they were very inventive, very creative. The um, the birthday party was just hilarious. The like we we talked about the the little creatures, the hornbill, this and the shovelhead little bird, yeah, and yeah, all that kind of stuff. I was like, that is just so inventive. Yeah, just you know, imagine throwing it out there. Draw the craziest kind of utilitarian animals with different things utilitarian? and utilitarian 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that's the right word. Okay. You keep using that word. I don't think if you were if you, okay, draw animals. If you're going to build a house that you would need, like oh well, okay, hornbill. No, no, no. I think they looked at what would what would these animals be like if you literally drew them. So hornbill duck. Right. They drew horns. Right. They yeah. were like little horns. And that just dawned on me because I couldn't figure out what that was. When you said hornbill, I was like, oh my gosh, that's what it is. Hornbill, I'm pretty sure it's hornbill duck. But anyway, I don't know about hammerhead, the hammerhead. little uh, Whatever those, the, exactly. Yeah. The umbrella bird. I, there's got to yeah, be, you know, yeah. I mean, there are a number of metaphorical things. I mean, because you had the bread and butterflies. You had a rocking horse yes. fly. Mm-hmm. So you had... A horse fly. Well, instead of drawing a horse, why not make it a rocking horse? Yeah. I mean, because that's whimsical. <clears throat> anyway, back to the birthday party. So Alice, you know, gets very confused by I I will say this. I love the Dormouse. The Dormouse was hilarious. The Dormouse was almost drunk. Right. He was very sleepy and very drunk. And in the in the book, <clears throat> and again, I don't know what this is. I need to look this up. But in the book, they talk about treacle which I think was actually a, a tainted water, if I'm not mistaken, which would make you kind of go loopy. So I think that's, uh. that's, what's, that's where they got this whole tea party, the mad tea party, is they're drinking treacle, mm. which I think was supposed to make you kind of go loopy. Well, it worked. It very much worked. And the Dormouse, the Dormouse again, another point where they were misquoting or changing things, the, the Dormouse... Instead of saying Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, which everyone knows that poem very right, well, right. he said Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Bat, I wonder what you're at. Up above the world so high, like a tea tray in the sky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just <laughs> crazy, crazy, you know, whoop, and turning things on his head. We did watch the, there was on, a, on the Fred Waring show okay. in the 50s. <clears throat> They did a live version of the Alice in Wonderland cartoon on this they- live stand-up show. This, this this guy had a band and a singing group and all mm-hmm. that. It was, it was they basically premiered the Alice in Wonderland, the music from Alice in Wonderland, right. before the movie even came out. So this is before the movie was even released. And they got Catherine Beaumont and Edwin and a lot of the actors, not all of them, but a lot of them, to come and actually play act the scenes with the different songs. Yeah. And, and so they did the um, birthday. Yes. And they, they had that little... The Dormouse. was it? The Dormouse mm-hmm. popping they up. They had a woman playing her on yeah, this show, right. which it's not a woman. But yeah. it, it was very funny. And she popped up out of things, you know, and that was really cute and stuff. And she had a funny, funny little voice that was very similar to that, the Dormouse. But yeah, the Dormouse was just very. And it was funny that the only thing to calm him down, because when you mentioned cat, of right, course, right. the mouse is going to freak out. Mm-hmm. Natural enemies. And the only way to calm him down was to put jam on his nose. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I want to try that with Lainey if no, she's freaking out. No, no, no. put jam on her nose, she'll just lick it and yeah. get more hyper. So I think so, that would be a bad idea. So the but sub, a dormouse? Sure, that'll work The subtitle to Alice in Wonderland is Don't Ask Why. Just just go with it. Don't don't overthink <laughs> Alice it. Alice in Wonderland, just go with it. Yeah, just go with it. <laughs> I noticed there was a couple of nods to the Wizard of Oz. I don't know if you noticed them as well. 
Well, I mean, of course, but what specifically are you referring to? Instead of a yellow brick road, uh-huh. there was a red road. Mm-hmm, a red trail. She, mm-hmm. that you must follow this road. Right. So she did, and then the path or whatever was removed. It wasn't brick, but it went it away. Dust. Yeah. And the dog swept it away. Mm-hmm. The dog with the dust face. The dust okay. pan, the, yeah. the broom face. Yeah. I don't know what dog that was. I was racking my brain going, what kind of dog is that? And it had a, a, a dust broom for its tail, and it had mm. to go around her, and she was stuck on a, sing, a sing, uh, single square yep. of that red, dusty stuff. And she began to cry. Mm-hmm. She cried a lot in this movie. She did. And it was reminiscent of when she cried mm-hmm. initially. Right. And But the the big thing, and then we'll come back if you want to talk about the Cheshire Cat, but she said, I want to go home. Yeah. And it was very... Very Wizard, Wizard of Oz. Of Oz so, yeah. yeah. I just want to go home. Yep. <clears throat> I would agree with you. So, Cheshire Cat. Did you have something specific about the Cheshire Cat? No, it's just... Oh. It was very interesting. And overall, I, I don't have anything more to say at this point, but Al and Joyce do. And we'll be hearing from them okay. at the end. Okay. More about the Cheshire Cat. Okay. Is that... The only saving, for me, the saving grace of this animated feature is the white rabbit. Because that's the only thing that really kind of pushed the story along for me. Because when it just got weird, and then all of a sudden, hey, it's a white rabbit. I have to right. keep going. And, right. and then she, the story kind of snapped back into place, and sure. then she kept going. Well, so. she was very easily distracted. Yeah. I mean, if you yeah. think about it, it's kind of like dog. Yeah. And a dog looking at go, a squirrel. Yeah. I mean, it's very, very, very... Um, because it is so bizarre. It's very bizarre. We totally missed the whole house. Well, I, I kind of mentioned it, but... Yeah, we need to go back to, to, to the White Rabbit's house. Okay. You started talking about it a little bit. We, we missed that, that point, but the dodo again is there. Right. And then you have Bill the lizard. Mm-hmm. Bill the lizard was hilarious and adorable, and I felt so bad for Bill the lizard. Bill the lizard was terrified. Of the monster inside the house. When Alice went inside to go look for the gloves. Because she figured, maybe if I find his gloves, <clears throat> he'll tell me why he's going where he's going. Where he... When you think about this, her whole entire dream, or her whole adventure in Wonderland, started because she wanted to know why the White Rabbit was late. Late right, for what? Right. What was a he party, late for? Yeah. Yep. That <clears throat> is a wandering thought. She got very easily distracted, and but that was the one thing that just kind of kept her going, kept her going, kept her going. So when she ended up at the White Rabbit's house, which was right after the tea party, actually, mm-hmm. she ended up there. And I, that, what, that whole scene is one of my favorites because um, <laughs> the poor White Rabbit, th- there's a monster in his house. It's Alice. He thinks it's Marianne, but he doesn't recognize that it's Marianne gotten very large, mm-hmm. which, you know... She has, and she's sticking out of the house, so it's kind of a funny little, you know, way to look at it. She opens the window, and there's her eyes peeking out. And then Bill, what we need is a lizard with a ladder, and here comes Bill. Mm -hmm. And poor Bill gets suckered into going in there, and then she, you know, he gets shoved down the chimney, which then makes her sneeze, and poor Bill gets, whoo, gone. Yep. Now, in Alice, or Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, there was a character of a lizard, Right. It was a girl. That's right. 
and she was best friends with the Knave of Hearts. So I recall Lizard. And yeah, I know you recall the really pretty dressed Lizard. Yes, I do. But Lizard was yeah, she was kind of She a, didn't have a ladder, but No. It's okay. Well, she might have had a, one at one point in time. There's yeah. probably one around. But she was not a like a handyman, so to speak. She was a thief like Will. I wanted to know more about their adventures, and that was the one thing yeah. I was very sad when in the show spoiler alert. Yeah. She yeah. died. So. She she did unfortunately. So, but but that was the tie-in to Once Upon a Time. Because really, again, the only tie-in we really have, the only two two major tie-ins we have are the Hatter and his daughter Grace, which is really not Alice. We never saw, we never got to Alice until Once Upon a Time Wonderland. Right. And then um, <clears throat> the Queen of Hearts. Those are the two main ties. We well, don't the have maze. Mm, the maze. Well, okay, we, the maze. We, we saw the maze. We saw red guards red guards okay and they we you know we saw the looking glass which we mentioned before to go there yeah and but yeah there there were we did see a teapot at jefferson's house Mm -hmm. and the there was a white rabbit card that regina Mm -hmm. put Mm -hmm. on Grace's, Grace's bicycle, bicycle as right. a kind of a which actually her name blue. was Paige, yeah, which is another. Uh, that's what the White Rabbit's job was. He was the page mm-hmm. to the queen. So, I mean, there's that little tie in there, I suppose you could say. And the Red Queen did cut Jefferson's head off. Yeah, oh yeah, which definitely Queen of Hearts. Yeah, mm-hmm. Queen of Hearts. Yeah, yeah. So there, there is that element. But anyway, back to Alice. Back to the movie. Um, the house scene, one of my favorite lines of the whole movie is when the rabbit, uh, the dodo's like, we're going to smoke the monster out. And he's like, no, 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 my poor house and furniture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just find that hilarious. Yep. There's so many funny, funny, little, just quirky little, little gems in there that I just absolutely love. But anyway, um, so then that's when Alice manages to get herself out. She shrinks herself down. And that's when she runs after the white rabbit and stuff. So... Anyway, I just want to kind of go over that whole that whole point because here's the dodo trying to burn this house down. We don't even know if he actually succeeds. I want to say in the book he does set the house on fire. Yeah, but I I could be wrong. But for sure, the whole Bill the lizard scene in the book is hilarious, and um, he's a very timid little lizard as well. And um, they uh, anyway. So then Alice, you know, drinks whatever, or eats or to get bigger or whatever, and she ends up getting so big. That she goes through the trees and has a bird and its nest and eggs on her head. Mm-hmm. And the bird accuses her of being a serpent. Yeah, I, I, I tuned out during that scene. That was weird. And I was like, I don't... I was calling the, the big human a snake and I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. I was like, well, because the bird didn't recognize yeah. her as being human because she was massively huge. So she assumed she was... You know, she's like, I bet you like to eat eggs. And she's like... Of course, and I believe in the book she talks about, oh, yes, I love a good egg for breakfast or whatever, you know, just goes on and on about the eggs. But anyway, the bird freaks out, and so then Alice finally decides to shrink herself down again, and she gets back to a more normal size. Yep. And, that, and that's when she ends up running towards the maze. And that's when she hears, she hears the cards painting the roses red. Yes. Right. And why are they painting them red? Because they planted white roses by mistake. And the Queen of Hearts 
Walney wants red roses. Correct. Now here's a little other little tidbit, and we'll see if I can get this correct. I believe red roses were the symbol of the House of Lancaster, and white roses are the house symbol of the House of York, which that whole thing was a play on the War of the Roses, mm. which is something you'll have to look up. Yeah. All right. When we start to get into the whole Alice in the Queen of Hearts kingdom there, mm-hmm. that's when I started to kind of tune in. We see a strong queen, mm-hmm. a little king. Teeny tiny king with a very large crown. Yes. And so, again, getting back to the whole kind of girl power thing, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't a king in, in charge here. It's the queen in charge and the little king. Itty bitty king. So the that whole croquet kind of a thing, mm-hmm. there's another once upon a time thing. I, I must say, if during, I think it was... The one of the episodes about Jefferson in the, Mr. Gold's shop behind his one of his cases, there was a croquet set, and I was kind of waiting for Probably. something to kind of happen with that. But there was also, anyhow, we'll we'll leave that at that. But anyway, the the whole hitting of the hedgehog. What, yeah, hedgehog that? were the ball. Hedgehogs were yeah. the balls, and flamingos were the mallets, which was hilarious. And the cards became the little... I remember I played croquet as a kid. Uh-huh. And the little uh, the little arches, the mm-hmm. cards became the arches for yeah. the queen. So hopefully she could win and not... Absolutely. She's kept sending people off with their heads, it's, off it's with their heads. Just keep sending them back that. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, if you think about this, that whole king and queen, the the it was actually very reminiscent for me just now came to my head of Cora mm. and Leopold. No. Yes. Yeah. Leopold. Yeah. Yeah. Because Leopold was a little, you know, meek, mild, very nice king, but yes. he was the king. He had the crown. Whereas Cora was the big, larger than life manipulator, but she had a very little crown because she really didn't have a whole lot of actual power. So in that sense, that was a nice little caricature of uh, that reminded me of the relationship between Cora and Leopold. Cora clearly manipulated and called the shots right. until she got ratted out by Ava. Let's talk about chess as well. Okay. The queen piece yeah. is very powerful. Absolutely. Can move as far as she can in any direction. Right. The king can only move one space yeah. in any direction. Yeah. So that... Queen has the power. Right. And I don't... I want to say Victor- Queen Victoria was on the throne at this time in England, and that could have been a whole thing about Queen Victoria. And- I, and, although, one more thing about chess, and we'll move on, is if you capture the king, you win. But the king has very little power, so anyway, mm-hmm. just kind of finish that. But yeah, all about off with their heads, off with their right. heads. I really enjoyed the animation, especially the cards animation oh yeah that was almost like it was a computer to me when i was looking really? at it yes it was very very incredible the the when the cards were kind of jumping and and in oh yeah it was like a magician or something a, a card dealer really magically making the the cards kind of in a in an arch you know it was really incredible to watch what they did 
at the end of that uh, film <clears throat> with <clears throat> cards and everything. Victoria was not on throne until 1876, so she was like 12 years later. Okay. Or 11 years later, she became queen, so unfortunately it was not her. But anyway, it was William IV that was before her, her father, <laughs> okay. I'm sure. But anyway, point is that... Um, the, the cards. There was something interesting about the cards. The suit um, and the deck is always black and white, right? The, right. Four, the four suits are black and, well, black, black and red. I'm sorry, and red. Black and red. Two black and red. Mm-hmm. Okay? In the song where Alice and the cards are singing about painting the roses red, not pink, not green, not aquamarine, we're painting the roses red. Right. The cards after they started coming through for the march and when the queen started coming, they all changed colors. That's right. And they changed colors to pink, mm-hmm. green, and aquamarine. aquamarine. Yep. They also had some orange cards in there and, of mm-hmm. course, you know, the normal. But I thought that was very fascinating yeah. that they that was incorporated. Interesting. The other thing that I noticed, too, which I never noticed as a child, but I did now, and I still don't quite fully understand the actual... Um, correlation to this is um, the Queen of Hearts, her dress looks very similar to and has the exact same colors and very similar pattern to the state of Maryland's flag. Hmm. So there must be some significance there, but I don't know what that is. Yeah. I... Other than the, the you know, the flag of Maryland was named, the state of Maryland was named after Queen Mary. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to say, may have been an influence or maybe. something. But all right, so so let's bring her in for a landing now. Any okay. any kind of final thoughts? The, the one thing I, I did in the tie into what you said at the beginning is this is not a classic fairy tale. She it's did not. not meet a charming prince. Nope. A person she fell in love with there was none of that it was just she wanted to see what this rabbit which the rabbit was late for Mm -hmm. yeah and so i i do love that she tried to talk to the queen and she obeyed the queen but the queen everything she said seemed to be wrong right and it was there was no there was no you know talking around that it in a similar respect to me it reminded me a little tiny bit of the relationship between Cora and Regina. Yes. Yeah. Trying to explain her way out of something and Cora not hearing much of any of it. I also love that the quote unquote, um, what was it? Trial quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. It's just so, no, 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 let's do the verdict first and then we'll do the whatever. And the King said, well, you haven't even called any witnesses. What about that? And so it's just, it was a sham. It was a very, it was very much a sham. So. And um, and and that was how she managed to get herself. But she, like you said, no prince came to save her. Nobody was there right. to help her out. In fact, her witnesses didn't actually help her a whole lot. So she ended up getting herself out of it. And then she realized. Th- then everything started going really, really wonky. And then, as bizarre as it was before, at least it seems somewhat normal for. A a weird, unusual land. But then it started getting really crazy and she's floating through the air mm-hmm. and then she finds the doorknob and then she sees herself, you know, and she's like, help, let me out, let me out. And she's like, he's like, you already are out. You already are outside. And she sees herself asleep and she wakes herself up. Yeah. So she got herself, she saved herself. She rescued herself from this crazy, because 
while she's doing this, the queen is and her and everybody's coming after her. Yes. I mean, they all turned on her. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I mean, the Cheshire Cat created the the tunnel, so to speak, the the smoke tunnel out of his stripes um, to get her to where she could, you know, kind of get away. But wow, everybody was after her. So, yep. And then she woke herself up. And then her sister, she tried to explain to her sister, very much like how Dorothy did at the end of Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Trying to explain, you were there and you were there and you were there. Mm-hmm. And she's like, they're like, what are you, you're crazy. It was just a dream and it felt very real to her. And I think for Alice it did as well. And so then um, she was able to move along. You know what that, that initial scene and then the scene where it ends kind of reminds me of is, mm-hmm. what's that painting that you really love? Saturday oh, in the Park or Saturday, something? Sunday afternoon in the Park. Um, it, on the Isle of the Grand Jatte. It's a uh, Georges Seurat painting. It's, it sort of reminded yeah. me of that. It's just a little, a little bit, but little bit. not exactly. Yeah, no, because that painting is a is a is pointillism, and that was definitely not oh, yeah, the yeah, method sure. used in... Oh, yeah. um, no, 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 just... But yeah, the, the whole scenery itself, yeah, the background. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. very lovely background. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, I mean, 1951, they've they've definitely improved on their animation skills and techniques and like you said it's kind of they've kind of gotten a little more advanced with the camera work and stuff like that pretty cool yeah all right i want to introduce you to al and joyce kessel mm-hmm. they host tales from the mouse house and they bring a little bit of the magic of disney to their listeners and i want you to listen to them tell you their thoughts about Alice in Wonderland. Hey, Jeff and Colleen, Alan Joyce here from Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast. Well, some of our favorite things about Alice in Wonderland, the animated cartoon, I would have to say for me, I love the Cheshire Cat. He's just, I remember when I was a kid thinking, what a cool dude this was. And, and he had such a big grin and the fact that he could disappear. And I thought for the time, he was just one of the coolest animated characters. Uh, I, I love the animation, too, because to me it represents, you know, how Disney animation used to be. What about you, Joyce? Yeah, and I like the animation, too. And this was one of the newer, like, mm-hmm. within the first 15 animations that um, the Walt Disney did. And, you know, like Al said, the Cheshire Cat, um, I really like him, too. And he's the one that... Um, that had Alice go visit the Mad Hatter and, um, oh, I can't remember the, the other two. But yeah, he's the one that, you know, told her that they were hosting the Mad Tea Party and her unbirthday mm-hmm. and all that. So yeah, he's my favorite too. And I also like the music. It's a lot different than the, um, the music in today's Disney movies. <laughs> Um, this had more of a, a jazz theme to it. Um, and if I recall correctly, Walt Disney hired some of the top composers at the yeah. time to create the music for this movie or this animation. Yeah. So there you go, guys. Uh, thanks for the podcast. I love the idea of the new one that you guys are going to do on a limited run. Good luck with that. And uh, thanks for including us. Yes, thank you. And by the way, Joyce, it's Cheshire, not I Cheshire. Know. Everyone that knows me knows I can't say that. <laughs> Thank you, Alan Joyce. And we'll take the cat however you pronounce it. Yeah. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> so everyone check out their podcast as well. It is a fun Tales from the Mouse House. Yes. 
So that's it for Alice in Wonderland. And our next film, Disney classic animation animated feature is... Drumroll, please. It is... Cinderella. Cinderella. Yay. All right. So oh, These are my favorites. We're coming in for a landing. We only have a few more. Three more. Three more. Cinderella. Yep. Sleeping Beauty. Mm-hmm. And Frozen. And Frozen. So <gasps> we, we're going to do these every other week during the hiatus until Once Upon a Time returns. Mm-hmm. And I guess we should probably say this now is the, the premiere first thoughts mm-hmm. for Once Upon a Time is going to be delayed one day. Yep. Usually we release it on the night of, mm-hmm. but it's going to be the day after. So it's going to be the Monday after the return of Once Upon a Time yep. on September 29th. That's correct. So we just want to let everybody know. Unforeseen things happen. And anyway, September, September 29th is going to be the first thoughts for the return of Once Upon a Time. But then after that, hopefully, <laughs> it's always going to be the night of. Right. Okay. So thanks so much for listening. And we have new likes on the page and all that. And folks are really enjoying this. And we enjoy it, too. Yes, we do. So we are we are I'm I'm very excited for the next few weeks for mm-hmm. our for our next few episodes because these are my favorite stories. They're my favorite favorite stories of the original, well, Frozen's new, but of the original classics, the Alice in Wonderland, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty. Oh, love them. Love them, love them. So we will continue on perhaps mm-hmm. during the next hiatus as well. There's a few more that are, have connections to Once Upon a Time. Oh, yeah. So There are a number of them that we haven't even looked at that right. do have connections that we will you know, eventually get to, hopefully. So, again, thanks for listening. Uh, big love to everybody. Take care, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. See you. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for Disney Once Again. Disney Once Again is a Rony's Own Media production and part of the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. If you're new to the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast, you can go to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash iTunes and subscribe to the feed. That way, you'll never miss another episode. We're building a community around this podcast on Facebook. You can get to it at facebook.com slash Disney once again. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, this is Jeff and Colleen saying, talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.